You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am Jeff Ellis, your host as always. Today's show, we'll lead off with some history. After that, we will look into the NL Central, trying to figure out if there are trades that make sense there. And after that, we are going to... uh, Well, maybe before then, actually, we're going to discuss... uh, I was talking with the St. Louis uh, locked-on host, Lucas, and he had someone ask him about the idea of the Cardinals trading for Francisco Lindor, so... I already did the research. Might as well talk about it on the show. Is uh, it was a fun little bit of back and forth as we tried to figure out uh, what such a deal might look like. So let's start off with the history of the day. Uh, in today, in 1997, was the 11th inning home run by Tony Fernandez. The Indians defeat the Orioles 1-0 to win the ALCS in six games. So every time we think about uh, his failure in '97, remember. Not only did he, uh, the only reason that game was in extra innings was because of Tony Fernandez. And one of the big reasons that they advanced was Tony Fernandez. And this was an interesting one, that back in 1972, Jackie Robinson, speaking before Game 2 of the World Series, uh, he would die just nine days later, urges baseball to hire a black manager. Of course, this wouldn't happen until the Indians hired Frank Robinson in 1975. So... Just some fun facts, things that tie to the Indians. Uh, so let's now talk about talking with Lucas Smith uh, earlier today. We had some back and forth. Uh, what would a deal look like? And basically my two big questions were, one, would they move Harrison Bader? Um, Bader has been a inconsistent player, but he's a plus version of Oscar Mercado. Uh, he's a better defender. I mean, Bader is probably one of the top three to four defenders in center field in all of baseball. And the bat, I mean, he was over a 100 WRC plus this year. Uh, it was that two years ago. There are swings in performance. He is up and down and back and forth, uh, much like Mercado, but he's been more consistent uh, with a higher defensive ceiling. So I asked about him because uh, center field is kind of a disaster when you're looking at the innings that DeShields got. And you look at Mercado's inability to nail down that spot. Uh, he was a name that came to mind. The bigger one is, could the Cardinals absorb Lindor's salary? Because it's going to be high. It's going to be a problem with any trade for Lindor. It's the fact that he's going to be making, you know, $28, 27000000 million next year. Uh, and then that that would be hard for the Cardinals, uh, is, was his thought. Because they already have two bad contracts in Fowler and Carpenter, who are big money players who are average to below average. They're paying Paul Goldschmidt a lot of money. And then do they pick up Colton Wong's $12.5 million option or look to extend him? You know, I don't know what you do there. Wong has not been very consistent for his career, and especially depending on how, uh, if you were to trade for Lindor, what that deal would look like. Um, You know, Wong may not even be guaranteed a starting role because you know the Paul DeJong uh, has a contract through 2022 I believe 
and he doesn't really have any trade value. I don't think the Indians would be all that uh, interested in acquiring him in a deal. He's he's kind of a you're hoping basically that Owen Miller could give you something similar. Uh, I mean, DeJong's first year was great, and then since then it's just been every single year has been a bit of a digression. And for a team like the Indians, who I think one of the big pools of trading uh, Lindor is saving that money when you're looking at adding someone like DeJong, who is under contract for multiple years and is going to make a few million, uh, the, the offensive production just hasn't been there. His strikeout percentages uh, last year in particular was up to 28%, a walk rate, walk percentage under 10. Uh, he hit 250 with a 340 bat pip, so he was lucky. There's a lot of reasons for concern there. Uh, like I said, that first year was great. Since then, it has just been diminishing returns, and I don't think he is a movable asset for any value at this point in time. Uh, I think if they made a trade, you're probably looking Dijon at Dijon at second base, Lindor at short. What would a deal look like? It was a little bit hard to, to put together because the thing with the Cardinals right now is they have kind of a million bad outfield options. Uh, you know, Harrison Bader, we talked about, is probably their second best outfielder right now. Uh, Dylan Carlson is the untradeable one. He's the guy who is the top prospect who could be a maybe a center fielder. I don't think he's going to get too big long term. Uh, he also mentioned that you know the Cardinals could try to chase uh, Springer or, Oz- or Ozuna in free agency. Uh, Fowler was pretty terrible this past year. Carpenter was okay. Uh, so yeah, they need some spots. You know, Bader was offensively a little bit worse than Carpenter. It's a yeah, not an ideal situation when you're trying to put together a trade. Um, just when I went over and looked at like the trade surplus site uh, to put together a trade it, it almost comes down to needing Bader and Tommy Edmond for uh, and then still getting a prospect back um, I'm trying to think which prospect I was looking at earlier as a percent potential piece back to the Indians um, you know it, they can't it would be in the off season. I will say this, the uh, the players that they drafted are very much Indians players, Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker. Uh, I thought Jordan Walker was ticketed to the Indians before the Cardinals got him. I think the Indians would be very interested in trying to get one of those guys in any deal. I don't necessarily know if uh, either one would be movable. But, yeah, it's basically any core trade. You're probably looking at... Uh, Edmund and Bader and then essentially that becomes your left fielder and your center fielder next year. Your right field platoon probably stays with Naquin and Luplo and then Naylor probably takes over first base with Fran Mill at DH and that's that's probably what you end up with. Um, Now it's not an exact trade in terms of uh, accumulation of value. when I do come it is funny recent trades uh, a lot of Indians ones how about uh, when I hop up on here Uh, Francisco Lindor and Zach Plesak for Dylan Bundy and Joe Adele or uh, Francisco Lindor and Cal Quantrell for Brandon Marsh Packy Naughton 
uh, Robinson Pena and Alexander Ramirez. Uh, it is kind of funny. It looks like Angels fans are trying to figure out ways to get a pitcher and uh, uh, Lindor. So maybe that's instead what we'll talk about in the second half of the show, just accidentally um, with the way that uh, this shook out and how that kind of amuses me. We're gonna we're gonna adapt on the fly. Uh, if you were curious, using the, uh, the trade value site. Lindor is at a 30.8, Edmund plus Bader is a 26.8, so about a four-point value somewhere prospect-wise to figure out. Mason Wynn is a 4.8. Uh, Juan Torres, who they traded over to get Mercado, 4.6. Kind of guys in that range. Uh, I felt like there was a prospect I liked quite a bit who wasn't as high, and I can't remember now who it is uh, off the top of my head. Even as I look through some of the list here, I'm trying to remember. Uh, See, I think uh, Ian Bedell, pitcher, another very Indians type of guy. So, yeah, if they're willing to move Tink Hens, uh, they had a super Indians draft. Uh, that's just one of those things the Cardinals and the Indians clearly think along some similar lines. So it could make it actually hard to trade because uh, they like the same type of guys. They're not going to want to trade uh, a high-value player if it is a guy that they, as an organization, uh, put a high valuation on. So... Something to keep in mind. Uh, the other interesting guy to consider in any trade would be Alex Reyes, a uh, former like top 10 prospect in all baseball, has never really put together in a way. Uh, you know, There was a suspension, there was injuries. Uh, he's one of those classic challenge guys where if you're the Indians and you think you can fix him, why not? And the Cardinals' pitching development has been so-so, honestly, over the past few years. You know, when Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal fell apart, he had to go elsewhere to get fixed. Um, they've had a few other guys. Uh, haven't had, I mean, flattery. Don't get me great. Don't get me wrong. Is great, but uh, not a ton of successes in terms of their internal pitching development. At least there, where you can find success is with RockAuto.com. RockAuto has been a consistently great sponsor for this show for quite a while now. Basically, since the start of this past baseball season. Uh, Rock Auto is the place to go to find the parts your car needs. They are a family-owned business. They cut down the overhead by having one central location that they ship everything out from. You go online, easy-to-navigate site, you find the piece or part you need, you order it, and it comes to your door. They're reliably cheaper than most places, and just a great resource or tool for when you do need a part for your car to make sure you're not getting gouged, to make sure that you are getting a good price on all the parts you might need for your car. So when you go to rockauto.com, write in the little box, how'd you hear about us? Locked on. Locked on Indians. Locked on MLB. Just make sure that you're saying locked on there because that lets them know that their advertising dollars are well spent. So go check out Rock Auto. It's a fantastic site. Very easy to navigate. You'll save yourself money. And when they ask, how'd you hear about us? Make sure you write locked on. So let's do the pivot. Uh, now let's switch over here. Since and I, you know, you get why Angels fans want to make a a trade with a pitcher and Lindor. Uh, Andrelton Simmons has uh, opted out. He opted out of the whole season towards the end of the year. And if you're looking at the, uh, you know, this is a team that has spent a lot of money, is looking to contend, could have a new aggressive front office. They've got some parts and pieces in place. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what players they'd be willing to move. If you recall, like this time a year ago, I, I really liked Jared Walsh, and man, did he perform well down the stretch. I'm not sure if he's even gettable at this point in time. I would still love to talk to them about Jared Walsh. Uh, 
Darren Fletcher, or Darren, David Fletcher, boy, did he perform uh, well. I don't think you can get Fletcher for Lindor straight up right now. I got to be honest. I think with the years of control he has left, that's that's a no-go. Same thing with Joe Adele. Joe Adele is pretty much out of the picture. Now, how is it shaping up for the Angels when you're looking at starting pitching? Because this is one of the reasons why, obviously, uh, people want to make a match between the Indians and the Angels. Griffin Canning had a pretty solid season. Dylan Bundy had a fantastic season. Andrew Haney, I believe, is still under team control. And I think Julio Tehran is op- has the ability to opt out. And Patrick Sandoval, to me, I think he's always best served as a reliever. It's a team that has three starters. Looking at their injured list, there's not really a lot of help there. Looking at their top prospect list, I mean, you're hoping that maybe, if you're an Angels fan, that Jamie Berea can put it together. It's a team that has Dylan Peters. Uh, I was a big Jose Suarez fan. Apparently I can't say his name right, even though I was a fan of his. Uh, like to see if maybe at some point he could uh, put it together for them. And then they've just got kind of a lot of meh. You know, there's a lot of names and parts and pieces. And then their prospect pool is has been weakened. Uh, you know, Joe Adele is still a prospect. Yeah, Marsh and Adams. And then it's, it's Detmers and... Uh, uh, Kyron Paris, who I slowed down because I was pretty sure I was butchering that name. Uh, and Chris Rodriguez is a pitcher a few years ago a lot of people liked, but he has not been able to stay healthy. Jeremy Jackson was an interesting second-round pick. But these aren't uh, necessarily hugely exciting pieces. Uh, so when you look and consider anything, uh, it's that's, that's where it gets interesting, to say the least. So just to go back to Jared Walsh. 32 games, 108 plate appearances, a WRC plus of 155. That's right. Said that correctly, 155. He's always had big, raw power, and he finally tapped into it uh, this past year. The When you're going through a 293 batting average, 324 on base, 646 slugging, uh, not great defensive values. The previous year, he really struggled when given an opportunity in the majors in 34 games. Uh the weird thing this year was an extremely low K percentage for the re- compared to the rest of his career. 13.9%. Walk percentage is very low at 4.6. Those both make me think there is a degree of luck going on. Uh, uh, BAPIP was actually low, so that would show that uh, not as much luck. Uh, but I've always liked the raw power. And then he was also a guy who pitched in the minors. Uh, I'm not sure if he did any pitching this year in the bigs as well. But that was kind of one of the interesting things, that this was one of those guys who was a legit two-way player uh, with the power calling card uh, being kind of his big tool. Interesting guy. Uh, Certainly one of those guys, especially since the Indians have an issue at first base, you'd have to consider. So let's just start this off in a very basic way. If you were the Cleveland Indians, okay, you're willing to trade Lindor. And if you are the Indians, who's the next guy you're looking to trade? Uh, if you're trading a starter, it's, it, I hate to say it, but is it Carrasco? Is it, you know, due to his age and his cost, is he the guy they look to move? I mean, potentially. Uh, I could also see them try to sell high on McKenzie because his stock value is likely to never be higher. So I'm going to consider McKenzie the other guy in this deal. Why McKenzie over the other pieces? Um because uh, Bieber's Bieber, they're not trading him. 
I think Carrasco is a hard sell. I think he's just... They have moved so many pieces, and if you're losing Lindor, you want to keep a little bit more of the stability. Savali is cheap and uh, successful. Plesak showed the highest ceiling of any pitcher not named Bieber a year ago. And so that leaves you basically with McKenzie as the most movable of last year's starters. And they have a lot of uh, options, just with guys who are down in the uh, the upper minors, down in the upper minors. You know, however you want to look at it, there's a lot of options there, and you're hoping that some of those other uh, pitchers will move quickly in the next year. I think, like, Ethan Hankins probably would have got a shot at double-A at the end of this year if everything had worked out. So just looking at those two, a chance to sell high, and then your player who is nearing the end. Uh, so those two players combined is a score of 50.6. To give you an idea, Joe Adele is a 54. Uh, he is their second highest player after Trout. Then you have Fletcher, who I mentioned, at 45.4. I mean, basically, you could trade McKenzie and Lindor to get Fletcher, and that wouldn't be too far off. Uh, how much do you think about Brandon Marsh? Uh, the Indians, supposedly, he was re- very much on the block in a Kluber deal. So let's look at Marsh at a 36.2. Lots of tools. Um, beyond him, it gets a little trickier with the Angels. You know, they're, they're players in pieces. Uh, I think Paris, who I mentioned earlier, at a has a 6.3. I thought he would be someone the Indians targeted in the draft. Uh, young for his class, California kid, up-the-middle talent. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jared Walsh is someone else I mentioned, currently at a 6.3, because I think there is some degree of not sure what he is, you know, that he, he overperformed down the stretch. So what exactly is he as a player? Um, I don't think anyone really knows for sure. Uh, there's a big risk for the team acquiring and the team trading uh, as a two-way talent with power potential with the team having a gaping hole at first base. I think it makes sense to consider someone who had some success a year ago. And for the Angels, uh, they're still paying Pujols, and they need to put him somewhere. Uh, and they're still paying Upton, and they need to find a spot for him somewhere. And that's kind of their problem right now. And then you have Otani, who's only a DH. So they're they're kind of backed into a corner as a team. They are just don't have the spots for... Uh, don't have the flexibility, I should say. Joe Adele should probably play every day, and you're assuming that next year he'll play every day with him, Mike Trout, and Upton probably being their primary outfield um, with host playing every day at first and Otani at DH on most days uh, that with uh, if you assume that Fletcher well okay so Rendon's at third now so is Fletcher playing second base in an ideal world I know Jemai Jones got some time uh, towards the end of the year did not nail down that spot for him but if he's playing second then they can have Lindor at short and they're uh we already talked about first base, so that leaves everything but catcher covered. So there's there's a logic to that. I think McKenzie would then slot into their rotation very easily. Right now, if you're doing McKenzie and Lindor, if the Indians were to get Marsh, who's a near-ready outfielder, Paris, who's a little bit further away, but another up-the-middle talent, and Walsh, who spent last year in the majors, that gives them a 48.8, which is still about two points of value below what they're trading away. So to give an idea... Uh, 
you know, uh, Louis Rengifo, who had a lot of trade value a year ago, was nearly part of that uh, Jacques Peterson deal that fell apart is kind of in that one. Uh, here's another, here's an interesting name. Uh, Calabrese is the, I believe this is the Canadian outfielder who I thought would have been uh, very much an Indian target. Cold weather, extreme speed, uh, young for his class, very toolsy player. So if you put that together, the Indians get the, a player who's far away, a player who is a decent amount away, and two players who could help them in a year. Uh, for those two players, if I try to validate this trade, trade is accepted. So that's that's my idea. A final value of 51.2 for the Indians and a final value for the Angels of 50.6. Uh, yeah, after saying I was going to try to avoid Lindor trades, it became the whole show today. So I am a little bit nervous. Uh, the microphone seems to be not working as effectively today, so you'll have to let me know uh, on the podcast if this is something to do with the program or if indeed the podcast was a hard listen. If it was, I apologize. I'm just now noticing that some of my levels are greatly fluctuating throughout the show, so I don't know what that is all about. But, uh, yeah, and also tell me what you think. Uh, should the Indians consider a trade with the Angels? I mean, the Angels are that team where, honestly, they have an owner who could afford Lindor. If they traded for him, they could always pull a Mookie Betts and try to sign him immediately. Is that enough for you to move Lindor and McKenzie? If you're going to move two pieces right away, is getting Marsh, who you're hoping can step up sooner rather than later, and essentially you're hoping... I mean, in my mind, if you're getting Marsh, then he's going to be one of your outfield spots. You're really hoping that Daniel Johnson and uh, Luke Lowe can nail down the other one. And, yeah, I mean, Marsh can play center field. Like, if you are getting him, you are hoping that he is going to step in and be your center fielder of the future. Uh, I don't know. You know, I projected a lot often as a corner, but, I mean... I think that's just because you assume he's going to have to move off as he gets bigger. Is it enough? Is there enough there with Marsh and what he can do um, with the potential upside of uh, uh, Kyron Paris, with Jared Walsh and his interesting tool set, and with David Calabrese and his might have been the best speed in the 2020 draft? I don't know. All these deals are so hard to figure out. I will say at least we have talents that make sense with what the Indians like for once. So I can say with that one, it's easier to nail down. Uh, With the Cardinals one, again, they're a team that's already stuck in place because of bad contracts, much like the Angels, and they have to try to find a way to make it work. So while it would stink for them to move a Bader and an Edmund, Edmund, they also already have a third baseman, there they have left field i mean they have guys who are already locked into positions because they're paying them and it's that is why uh free agency is such a risk uh it's the michael Bourne, nick swisher situation all over again even to a degree edwin and crash incarnacion we have not seen a lot of long-term contracts with free agents turn out well for the indians in the last 20 years or so it feels i have been jeff ellis this was the thursday edition of the lockdown indians podcast it is almost 1 a.m my time So I'm going to cut it off here. I hope you all had a great day and uh, pay attention to Friday's show where we will dig deep on the NL Central. We'll look a little deeper at the other teams, Sons the Cardinals, since we talked about them tonight. 
And uh, I hope you enjoy. Tell me what you think. Remember to rate and review. That helps the show. You can find me on Twitter at Draft. And as always, go Tribe.